Welcome to Shi'ar Jeshub, coming from Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and we are so glad you could join us for this Bible study program. Today, we will be concluding my husband's sermon on the scriptural prescription for appointing church elders, also known as pastors or bishops, and deacons. This message was part of Pastor Greg's series on heavenly authority. And we saw first the qualifications for these offices given in God's Word, then the role played by those in the local church in selecting men who fit those sacred criteria. And when we left off, Pastor was discussing the third factor, the need for Holy Spirit-anointed confirmation as the Apostle finalizes the selection. Now let's rejoin the Sunday message, and we'll go back a minute in Pastor Greg's sermon for context. You have an, an apostle called by Jesus Christ, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and it's shown not by an institution approving him, but by his life, by his work, by the purity of the truth of what he's teaching, the gospel he's teaching, the Holy Spirit anointed it all. Evidences not according to some tradition, evidences not according to some institution, but evident to those who really believe, who know the workings of God, who have eyes to see and have ears to hear. Like the call on Abraham. What were the qualifications for Abraham? What was the institutional authority given to Abraham, right? He left any institutions behind him over in uh, Babylon, right? But God's call on Abraham was evident. God's call on Moses was evident. God's call on David was evident. What were the institutional credentials given to David, right? He was the last son out on the field, the last one that his father would have selected. And yet the Holy Spirit tells Samuel, a like anointed person, to lay hands and anoint with oil David, right? Isaiah, the calling on Isaiah was evident. On Jeremiah was evident. On Daniel was evident. Only God can call to any position. Man can only be used to confirm that call. But in the selection of the elders and the deacons, you have confirmation that comes through the word, the logos, through the recognition of that word's qualifications in these men by the local congregation. And then you have the anointed affirmation the Holy Spirit through one clearly chosen of God, confirming it through prayer and fasting and the laying on of hands to finalize it by the prayer and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, by these ones sent out to start God's work. One that has the stamp or the seal like Peter, like the Twelve, like Paul, like Barnabas, like Timothy, like Titus, Truly anointed, not because of an institution, anointed and set apart by God, who finalize the selection because they're sensitive to the Holy Spirit saying, yes, these seven, this Stephen will do well. This Philip will do well for me. They've chosen well, 
and they lay hands on and they appoint and they finalize the process. Now, someone could say, well, that's when the church is started, right? The apostles were sent out to start churches. Uh, would not it be appropriate for them then to appoint the elders and the deacons? But what happens down the road in time as the church is established? And you notice most of the problems in the church happen what? Down the road, in time, once the church is established. How do we move on to the next generation, second generation, third generation? Do we show favoritism? Do we show partiality? Is it just an institutional passing on of the torch? You know, one group of elders saying, well, we think those people would be good to follow us and putting them in. And then it goes down and it goes down. And if it's done just that way, you lose the input of the Holy Spirit, right? So what do you do in the next generation when there's new elders to be selected? You still have the criteria and the qualifications, right? The Word of God endures forever. You still have Acts chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, right? You still have the qualifications. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever, right, of what these men should be like. You still have the recognition of the local congregation, but now what is the confirming authority figure? Is it the other elders? Well, I think one of the answers that you have is that these offices, when you go through 1 Corinthians, I don't think Paul is saying, as some of our brethren would say in other churches, God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, first apostles, but only for the next 10 or 20 years, second prophets, but only for the next 10 or 20 years, third teach as well, if you give them a degree from an institution, after that, miracles, we're not going to discuss that. We're going to keep that administration thing in. These are offices that are supposed to pass down through time. There should still be, now you're not going to have apostles. Remember, when we went through the office of an apostle, we went through the different senses. You're not going to have an apostle in the first sense as those who were witnesses of the resurrection, right? Clearly, Jesus Christ is risen. But there is still the office of being sent out of having authority, special authority, to preserve the doctrine of the church, Holy Spirit authority. You're still going to have prophets. You still should have prophets and teachers like you have there at Antioch who are praying, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me. There has to be some allowance as you go to each successive generation for the Spirit's guidance through wise, tested, anointed, called out individuals to finalize the selection. Otherwise, it becomes institutional guidelines, and people might seem qualified. You know, I'm reading a book about some of the early church quote-unquote fathers, and you see how many of them were trained before they were ever saved, and I'm, we're in the 300s now, the 300s AD. They were trained in the rhetoric of the Greek and the Romans. They were educated men, and because of that, they would get saved and immediately get placed into positions of being a bishop of Constantinople, of Antioch, of the larger churches, because they were trained in rhetoric and speaking. Right? It seemed good to the people. One man was put in 
Um, he was voted in almost because there was a controversy over in the church between those that believed in the Trinity and those that were moving towards Arianism. And they both could accept this man. They said he was only five foot four, so he wasn't very intimidating. And they could handle him as leading both groups. So in a democratic way, they put him in. They appointed him in. That's not what Paul is telling Timothy and Titus, nor Peter telling the church, the church at Jerusalem. There needs to be Holy Spirit input guidance through spirit-tested. You know, when Elijah takes the cloak and puts it on Elisha, we all know about Elijah, right? Does he have to have any institutional credentials? No, he called down fire from heaven. That's enough credentials. He's anointed by God. So when he puts that mantle on Elisha, it means something. And that needs to carry through in the church. We're not looking for the Sanhedrin to lay hands upon in some institutional situation. We're looking for Peter to lay hands on. Someone anointed like that with the gifts of the Holy Spirit or a group of people, like you have the Twelve, selecting. You need some selection process to allow for the Spirit's input to finalize and that might very well be the elders of a church if they have suitable gifts and callings that will allow the input of the Holy Spirit. Lord willing, next time we'll see that James, remember we studied that James, the Lord's half-brother, was an apostle. Paul tells us he's an apostle. But he also becomes what? The elder of the church in Jerusalem, which was no small position to be in, right? John, the beloved, is an apostle, right? But he will become an elder of the church. And that's why he winds up in Asia Minor. He winds up on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation. He became an elder of a church. He was an apostle. So if they have suitable gifts and callings, yes, the elders can be involved in the selection. As long as the Holy Spirit has input, that's what's been missing from the authority, the church government structure, over the centuries, it becomes very formalized, institutionalized, organized. And so maybe people that should be in authority are not, and people that should not are in, because you have no one fasting and praying, seeking the Spirit of God, tested, Holy Spirit-tested men, gifted, to lay hands and place some of the Spirit on them onto these. Maybe it's as simple as saying, there needs to be confirmation by an anointed authority in the spirit as that final step, right? The logos, the qualification, select from among yourselves the local congregation, democratically looking at the qualifications, and then that Holy Spirit authority, the spirit of God speaking to the one, this is the one, and the laying on of the hands upon them. And obviously, wisdom is needed in these situations. Remember, I said there's tension, right? It's not an easy, the church government is not an easy topic. If it was, uh, there wouldn't be so much confusion. There wouldn't be so many different types of church governments. And, you know, you do have specific situations, specific to place, specific to time, specific to condition, and Lord willing, we'll speak about that next time. Heavenly Father God, as we approach even the last days, and as we know time becomes short, it does not minimize the importance 
of the right leadership in your church. For that matter, we know that in the last days there will be an explosion. Your spirit will be poured out upon all flesh. And there will be many saved into your kingdom. And that in a short time span, there can be a magnitude of work that's enormous. And so these principles that you laid 2,000 years back will still be and actually will be even be more important as you go into the last days. So, Father, we pray that you would, you would revive them in your church, that, Father God, the selection of those who lead the local congregation would be based upon biblical qualifications that you have given us, based upon recognition by peers of those qualifications. And, Father God, finalized by spirit-anointed authority that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we give you thanksgiving and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Current sermons are live-streamed on YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Join us for in-depth Bible messages by Pastor Greg and Associate Pastor Francis David for a celebration of the Lord's Supper and for prayer and conversation by Pastor Greg and myself. I know you will find it a special anointed time. You can search YouTube for the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle channel, or you can use the link on our church website at shi'arjeshub.org. The programs are then posted on YouTube and rumble.com, as well as on the church website itself for 24-7 access. Join us next time for Shi'ar Jashub.